This is the second time in a couple of months that we've had Jesus extolling the virtues of dishonest people. Huh? A couple of months ago, we heard about the dishonest steward who was ready to be let go from his position and knowing that he had to somehow find uh, another place to go to, began to reduce the debts that people owed to his master. But the master gave him credit because at least he was pulling in some additional currency and, uh, and, and product. And the dishonest judge in this case is one that Jesus uh, describes as having no fear of God, no respect for any human being. I don't know that many judges, but I don't know that any of them fall under that category. But this was clearly somebody who did not have any sense of entitlement, any sense of uh, expectation that people would be following him. He was going to set the course. And, and so this particular case is uh, the widow who has been bothering him on and on about giving her a just decision on her case. And finally, he agrees to keep her from striking him and to just get her away from him. Uh, and, and that particular opportunity for him, that, uh, that chance to, to be done with it, is Jesus' encouragement to us to pray persistently. If this dishonest judge will end up making a decision in favor of the persistent asker, so also we can expect, more so we can expect, that God is going to respond to our needs. I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But then he concludes, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? See, that's Jesus is saying that while it is true that God acts justly, God doesn't hesitate to answer to prayer. Is there faith among his followers? Do they even turn things over in prayer? We, of course, have been turning over in prayer uh, the issue of uh, three weeks from Tuesday, uh, Proposal 3, and the diocese has sent us each week uh, messages, themes that we should stress. The one today, I think, is quite uh, extraordinary, and it, I have to say I did not realize as much that the talking points that they mention speak to the fact that this is more than just abortion. It has to do with parental rights. It's a serious attack on parental rights as well. Proposal 3 presupposes that the state and even children themselves know what is best for children themselves, not their parents. The words of the amendment confer a fundamental right to reproductive freedom for everyone without any age limits. That means children will likely be able to invoke these rights without your parental consent or even your knowledge. They may even apply against your wishes, and there might be nothing that you as a parent can do about it. Lawmakers, the governor, and any other elected officials will be unlikely to mitigate the damage or restore parental rights because these are state constitutional rights being conferred to children and teens, rights which will override other state laws. 
If this amendment is voted into the Constitution, another vote of the people will be the only way to change it, aside from a court decision, which is unlikely. Parental rights should not be left to chance, requiring a lawsuit and hoping for a favorable court ruling. Other people, including teachers, counselors, or even other adults, will be able to help your child exercise these rights to reproductive freedom, to pregnancy, contraception, sterilization, and abortion, all without parental consent or even knowledge. Read the start of the amendment again, keeping in mind that as written, this will apply to teens and younger children. Every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including, but not limited, to prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. Foreseeable situations for minors and teens under this constitutional amendment. If your team ha teen has a consensual relationship with an adult that results in pregnancy, the adult would be able to help your teen obtain an abortion without you even knowing about it. School health clinics will be able to provide contraception to your minor children without informing you. Hospitals and doctors, without your knowledge or consent, will be able to sterilize your child, either due to gender confusion and transition, or to avoid future pregnancies. Teachers, counselors, coaches, and others will be able to help your teens and children obtain abortions against your wishes, and they will not be held accountable if the child consented. These same teachers and coaches could even perform your child's abortion themselves and still be unaccountable because this constitutional language prohibits the state from penalizing, prosecuting, or taking any other adverse action against someone for assisting in an abortion. Depending on how aggressively government officials decide to enforce the proposal's language, parents could also be in jeopardy of losing custody if they do not support their child obtaining contraception and abortion or gender transition services, since those would all be deemed fundamental rights. This proposal will render parents powerless to protect their children and teens regarding sexuality and reproduction. We read, of course, a lot about the destruction of the fetus. We certainly are aware of uh, the issues that, that have been guiding us, but I think this, this particular point that uh, the church makes and asks us to emphasize from the pulpit is an important one. The idea of parental rights has always been very sacred to our church and in our teaching. And I encourage you to make that, among other things, reasons to go out and vote three weeks from Tuesday.